Welcome to the third episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick, and thank you for joining me today. Today, we're going to be breaking down Corey Sandhagen versus Marlon Moore Rice and the rest of that card. And for today, I, what I usually do is I break down fight cards, you know, the card that happened, and then all the rumors. And um, very eventful week in MMA, ranging from Conor McGregor, Hamzat Chumayev, Leon Edwards, Wonderboy, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Nate Diaz. All these guys have been, uh, Jones and Adesanya, all these guys have been very vocal on social media. So I think I'm going to do two episodes this week. The first episode is going to be the breakdown of Saturday Night's Fight Card UFC Fight Night Marais versus Sandhagen. That's what this is. And if you want to listen to the second part that I just talked about, future uh, future MMA rumors, potential matchups, things like that, that is going to be the next episode. And that is probably going to be out about 24 hours after this podcast goes up. So first, Sunday night, probably, maybe Monday morning, we're going to have this episode will be live, so you'll be watching this. And then about 24 hours after that launch, we're going to have a second episode, probably a little bit longer, breaking down these other future rumors. All right. So let's start at the top of the card with Marlon Morais versus Corey Sandhagen. Very great fight for Corey Sandhagen. I was very impressed, obviously, with that head kick KO. And this is the head kick KO podcast. So... When we get guys to start getting these head kick KO finishes, Corey Sandhagen, welcome to the club. Welcome to the head kick KO club. You're in it. Since uh, what I think I might do is I might make a club, all right, for guys who have won fights via head kick since the launch of the head kick KO podcast. And kind of keep track. I think that would be a fun thing to look back at of who's finished with head kicks. So watch out for that. But we had two entries in the club. Right now, let's talk about Corey Sandhagen, who was the second entry. But we're going to talk about him first because he probably the star. Biggest biggest winner on that card was Corey Sandhagen. And spinning heel kick finish, that was great. And... With that finish, he didn't even catch him clean on that, which sounds weird. But if you watch that, watch that finish back. He throws a right, he throws a right straight, I believe, to set up that heel kick. Um, Marais goes for the block of the right straight, and he hits him with the spinning heel kick. And the crazy thing about this is he didn't get that heel landed right. Well, the heel did land, but it partially lands on the back of the head. The main thing he hits him with is that Achilles. He hits that Achilles real nicely on the, on the, really he had the Achilles here. If you're watching this on video, you'll be able to see. If you're listening audio, I apologize. But basically, the Achilles lands for the majority of his head. And then the heel really clips the back. And it clips the back. And um, obviously that's not ideal. But that just shows how much power Corey Sanhagen generates off that. Because if you have any experience kicking, you know, obviously, if you, you don't even have to have experience kicking, feel, go, feel your Achilles tendon, then feel your heel. 
and he landed with the Achilles, which is obviously the softer of the two, which just goes to show even more how impressive that was. Because when you land not fully clean and still get the knockout, Jesus, imagine if he lands if he imagine if he lands that clean and, and gets that heel right in the uh on the chin or gets the heel on the uh the head a little bit closer towards the face. Right? So, um but besides that, he had another nice kick in there as well that fractured his or that fractured Marlon Morris's orbital bone. So this wasn't just um a this wasn't just a great finish. It was a great finish, but along with that was another great performance. He didn't pull this out of he didn't pull this finish out of nowhere. He uh, clearly won the first round and was um, doing very well in the second. So Corey Sandhagen puts on a great performance for UFC Fight Night, and I think this was was great for his career. And I was very impressed with what Corey Sandhagen did after the um, after the fight in the post-fight press conference. I know this is only the third episode, but um, if you watch the first two, you know I am very quick to criticize guys who call out, um, don't call out the right guys. A lot of guys don't call out the right name. They Then they call out fights they won't get, and they look silly when they do it, right? They look silly. Um, that's one of the main, I don't try and criticize fighters too much, but when you have guys coming out calling out silly call-outs, things that don't make sense, that's that's a moment where I will criticize you. But in Sanhagen's case, if you say the right name, I'll, I'll be the first to praise you as well. So after the fight, Sanhagen calls out Marais, or excuse me, Sanhagen calls out TJ Dillashaw and Frankie Edgar. So both these are great call-outs because if you look at the rankings, I don't want to seem like too much of a ranking guy, but um, right now we have Marice and or Marice was number one. Algermain was number two. He beats Marice, so obviously the top two contenders are clearly Algermain and um, Sandhagen. So he's he knows he's right now he's in that one or two spot, and he's not gonna. He, the chances are he doesn't get that title fight because he did lose to Eljo in. I don't remember exactly the date that was, but it was earlier in this year. It was one of the cards um, without an audience, and that's pretty much all of them. But let's get the exact date for that so I don't go out speaking nonsense here. Um, that wow. UFC Fight Island 5. Yeah, so it was one of the first, or no, that was this week. Why won't this pull up? This was UFC on Fight Island 5. Um, all right. Well, this is great. I love it when this happens. Give me a second here. When in doubt, go to Sure Dog. Yes. All right. Here it is. That was on June 6th, UFC 250. So he loses to, sorry about that. Um, he loses to Aljamain in June. So um, obviously at that point, Jan and Sterling are obviously going to fight. And I think most people agree on the fact that Aljo should be next. And I don't think there's much of a dispute on that. 
Most people I've seen have said Eljo deserves the next shot. But with that being said, I don't think Sandhagen should sit back and wait, right? He shouldn't sit back to and wait to get the winner, or excuse me, the winner, because he could get passed up easily if he waits. This um, Eljo and Jan fight needs to be scheduled ASAP, right? Right now, we've got the November, December, and January cards are all looking for pay-per-view headliners. So all those fights are open. All those are available slots. We think, you know, we've got a lot of fights coming up that need to start filling slots. So um, I think we need to get that fight soon, Eljo and Jan. But then after that, we really have a lot of openings, a lot of openings. And by Sanhagen calling out Dillashaw and... Edgar. What this does is this makes sure this ensures that he doesn't get passed up after that Eljo and Jan's fight. Because say, for example, Dillashaw comes back, say he fights Frankie. So if that happens and Dillashaw wins, he skips Corey. He, the, the likelihood of him skipping Tor- Corey for the t- winner of Jan and Aljo is pretty high. But by calling out TJ Dillashaw, and I'm going to focus on the TJ Dillashaw call out more specifically because I think that is a great fight. Um, so by doing this, he prevents himself from getting hopped in the rankings. And he seems pretty unscathed, so he should be able to get back in the cage by January because that's when for, uh, TJ is eligible to return in January. So we can book that fight in January or February. And at this point, TJ versus Corey Sanhagen from a stylistic matchup, you're not going to get much pushback from fans because that's a great fight. That's a fun fight, right? That That's a headliner of a fight night, maybe a pay-per-view co-main. You could put that co-main on the, if you do Eljo and Jan in, say, January, you could put that um, Sanhagen and Dillashaw fight on that card as well so you have another fight in case something happens to Jan and Eljo you can have someone step up to fight for the title in that situation but um the winner of that would obviously if Dillashaw or Sandhagen would win that fight they would fight for the title next that's pretty um I don't want to say that's 100% because obviously in MMA nothing's 100% you know there could be some controversy controversy that could prevent um, one of those two from stepping right into a title shot, but I mean, that's a, that's about as close as you can get to a for sure thing is by winning that fight. So, and if they can't get him the Dillashaw fight, getting Frankie, that's another that is, you know, gets him in a position to fight for the title, right? Cause he's, I really think he's only one fight away, uh, one win away to being a, to cementing himself as a title challenger. Right now, he's very close. But one more cements him. It makes it pretty undeniable that he deserves a title shot, especially if that comes against TJ Dillashaw or Frankie Edgar. And I think that's undisputable. And um, especially if Jan beats Eljo. If Jan beats Eljo then and Sanhagen wins, it's going to be an easy fight to get matched up. Because if Jan wins, it's, or if Jan loses, it'll be a little bit more difficult because Eljo obviously beat Corey Sanhagen in June. Not only did he beat him, but it wasn't really a close contest, right? But if he goes out there and get two gets two more wins, you could kind of convince people to see that Sanhagen-Eljo fight again uh, for a title. But if it's Jan and Sanhagen, stylistically, that's going to be a more exciting fight. 
and it'd be some parody. So if Jan wins, he definitely gets it after another win. If Elja wins it, he could kind of maybe get screwed, but I still don't see that happening in this situation, mostly due to the fact that his resume right now is way too impressive to get passed up on, and I think this is going to be a situation where it may be a rematch of a not very close fight, but I think it's going to be something where fans say, you know, I know this didn't go Sanhagen's way the first time, but we need to we need to put him out there again based off what he's done recently for us. And, it, you know, it might be a little bit easier to book a fight, for example, that Sanhagen, Sanhagen I believe that was 30 seconds maybe, that Elja won in. Elja won at a minute and 30 seconds. My bad. So Elja wins that fight in a minute, 30 seconds. Corey can say, you know, bad performance. He caught, I had a bad performance. He caught me. But if you go out there and get dominated for 15 or 25 minutes, that's not as easy to do, right? So, you know, I think they could still pull that match, and I think they will try and make that match. And I think Corey Sanhagen has put him, he's, he's got himself in a great spot in this division. And um, so much respect to Corey Sanhagen for what he's done. For Marlon Marais, Marlon is in an interesting spot, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do with him next because by no means is he out of this title picture either based solely off the fact that in, oh, it was a couple years ago, but he did beat Aljamain and knocked him out viciously. That's probably the best word. Almost a head kick, but he hit him with the knee. So Marais is not, you know, didn't quite get that head kick knockout that we all love. At least I love. He got him with the knee. Uh, still very impressive. Not that was a joke, you know. Still very impressive. Not trying to take anything away from that. But with that being said, he's in a really interesting spot, especially if Sandhagen gets if Sandhagen gets um, Dillashaw, then I think Morice could get Edgar or Pedro Munoz. I think both those are interesting fights. Um, right now in the top five, you got Morice. And then you've got Sterling, Garbrandt, Sanhagen, and Frankie Edgar. And I think Cody Garbrandt is obviously going down to 125, and I'm surprised he's still ranked at 135, to be honest. But right now, obviously, I like the idea. I'm not. I always cite these rankings, but I'm. I don't want to talk too much about rankings here because you get to the point where you start talking nonsense when you start talking too much rankings because rankings don't mean that much. But I just use it as a slight baseline for matchups. Because that seems like what the UFC wants to do. And it seems like that's what the fighters want. It seems like the fighters are very um, worried about rankings. That's why I always, that's why I try and talk about it. Is because it seems like the fighters care. And that's what makes matchups. Is if you can get two fighters to agree that a ranking helps someone. So Marais, you know, if you book Jan and Aljamain, you book Corey and TJ. That leaves Frankie, Pedro Munoz, Jose Aldo, you know, a couple other guys open i'd like to see the edgar fight marlon and frankie or you could go marlon and aldo i think that's a we already saw that and that was not a great fight but it wasn't a bad fight it was entertaining but um obviously with the controversy i think you could sell that fight again and that's a fight a lot of people would like to see again so uh i wouldn't mind seeing marlon versus aldo again you know but obviously that's a little speculatory because we don't know um, how soon Marlon wants to get back in there. And uh, before I move on, let's talk a little bit about the stoppage. A lot of people were calling quick stoppage on Mark Goddard. And I, that seems to be a theme of Mark Goddard fights is calling him out for quick stoppages. But 
I'm not too upset with the stoppage. I mean, when you see someone get hit with a spinning heel kick and take four, five, six more on the ground, that you and Marlon wasn't really defending himself, but he wasn't really out of it either. You know, um, I think if you let that go two, three, four, five more ground and pound punches, you know, I think uh, Marlon was in no place to stop any more ground and pound at that point. And I think he was just going to keep getting damaged. So I don't think that's a bad stoppage. And, you know, another thing for stoppages is immediately after the stoppage. If you don't think it's a bad stoppage right after, if you, you know, look back a half an hour later and go, oh, that might have been a little early. Well, you probably you probably thought right the first time, right? Because if the fighter doesn't stand right up and start, you know, complaining about the stoppage. Some guys do that in an effort to change, flip the script right off the bat. But other guys do that out of genuine frustration. Uh, Colby's a good example. You know, after his Mark Goddard, Mark, this was another fight involving Mark Goddard. Colby, you know, immediately after, stands up, protests the finish. Um, Dominic Cruz did this as well. As soon as the fight was ended, he protests the finish. So I think we get into a, if a guy doesn't stand up and immediately start talking about the finish, you know, there is a, really isn't much room for controversy, right? If a fighter has to wait until the post-fight press conference to say, hey, I think that might have been an early stoppage, well, say it to the man who you think stopped it early, the ref. Say it there in the cage in the octagon. Say your piece to the man himself. Don't wait until you get to the press conference, right? So I think when we have things like that, that's a big factor in is it wasn't an early stoppage? No. You know, especially if you don't say anything to the ref when it, when it initially happens, right? If you keep it to yourself until the press conference or a week later or Mondays is usually when we see guys start getting back out in the media, Monday, Tuesdays from the week's prior, the week prior's card. So if you're starting to talk about it that late, you're really, you're really setting yourself up for a bad spot, spot for talking, arguing about a late stoppage or an early stoppage. I mean, okay, moving on. I want to, we're going to bounce around a little bit. Usually I start at the main, go co-main and talk about some other fights. But when you do what Joaquin Buckley did, you get to you jump the bill. You jump the bill. You jump the co-main, right? Joaquin Buckley landed one of the greatest knockouts you will ever see. Okay, period. I don't mean to sound like a girl on Instagram, but period, right? Joaquin Buckley, that if you didn't see it, I'm if you're watching this podcast, I'm going to assume you saw it. And before we go any further, right, welcome, Joaquin Buckley, to the head kick KO club with that head kick KO. That might put you at the top of the club. You know, when you do shit like that, hmm, you're at the top of the club. Okay. So, Joaquin Buckley, great, great, spectacular. I don't think I could say enough. And, and words, words can't do it justice. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I posted a clip on our Head Kick KO podcast TikTok page. So if you haven't seen it, go there to the Head Kick KO TikTok, follow it, watch it, like it. So you'll know what I'm talking about then. But absolute, I think uh, this is a top three knockout of all time in terms of performance, you know, and the actual knockout itself, you know. You have, obviously, the other big one is Jorge Masvidal. And, I mean, that's probably, those are probably one and two. There's obviously other spectacular knockouts. 
a lot of people will cite um, Anderson's head kick on Vitor as another knockout. And I think things start to change when we start talking about levels, right? So when Anderson head kicks Vitor and takes him out, that that there's a little bit more because it's a title fight, because it's Anderson Silva. These things start to you know cloud judgment in terms of greatness and meaning. The the head kick by Anderson Silva in terms of legacy and greatness and things like that take the take the cake over Joaquin's. But in terms of this the knockout strictly, if you showed both of those to a person who has never seen MMA before and say, hey, and you don't explain to him context, you don't explain to him, hey, this is for a title fight, this is on the prelims, right? Those things are what start to, um, you know, if you lay out those that groundwork, people will likely say Joaquin Buckley's is better than Anderson's head kick, you know? And there's other, you know, I don't mean to call out Anderson specifically on that, but there are other situations too. And I think the only competitor for greatest knockout of all time with that is Jorge, um, obviously that you've seen that as well. Five seconds, knee, and I think um, in reality we're picking between straws. You know, one and two, put either at one, put the other at two. You can't really go wrong, right? It's mainly about personal preference at that point, right? Those are the two best knockouts of all time. So Joaquin Buckley. So much credit to that man for that. And if you and I think another thing that makes that knockout so special is that's not really a technique we see all the time. You know, we see flying knees, we see head kicks, um, your normal head kick, your we've seen spinning heel kicks even, um, Uriah Hall, Edson Barbosa. So these are not like things those are things we see on occasion, obviously. They're rare, but I don't think I've ever seen a kick like this ever be attempted with the catch of the um, Impa caught the um, kick of Joaquin Buckley and he's holding his leg and he throws off his other leg that's planted and connects with that same leg that's planted. It's come on. It's it's crafty. It's um I want to say innovative. It's really innovative because, you know, Everyone's seen a head kick. Everyone's seen a front head kick. Everyone's seen a flying knee. I've never seen that, right? But at the same time, I've never been in a practice room of a um, of an. I've never been to ATT and seen these guys train, obviously. So I'm sure that's not anything too crazily new to a lot of MMA fighters. But to the audience, that is something that we don't see. And I'm sure a lot of people saw that and was like, "What the? What did this guy just do? Are you kidding me? I can't believe that." So, um, yeah, so much respect to Joaquin Buckley. Welcome to the Head Kick KO Club. The We have now have three members of the Head Kick KO Podcast, Head Kick KO Club. Not very catchy. You might have to reword that, but we'll figure it out. All right. In the co-main, we had Edson Barbosa versus Makwan. We'll leave it at that. No need to start saying last names, right? Makwan. So, this fight was very impressive for Barbosa. He was on a three-fight skid, but three-fight skid, some people think he won some of those fights, you know, and even in the losses, he looked good. So, um, I don't want to, it's not your traditional three-fight skid. It's not a Cowboy Cerrone three-fight skid where you're getting knocked out. No disrespect to Cowboy, but not all three-fight skids are created equally, right? So, 
Edson Barbosa here um, looked very good. Hit, jab, straight right. Obviously, always a good combo for Edson Barbosa with his length at 145. Was throwing that right kick. Obviously, it's Edson's... Ooh, ooh, stutter. Catch that stutter. Clip that. So, obviously, for Edson Barbosa, um, he obviously has a great right leg kick, and he was throwing it. And um, he looked great. And not only he got... I don't even know how many knockdowns he had in that fight. He had at least three, right? He won all three rounds. Um, I had this fight scored 30-26. I don't know if any of the judges had that. I know one judge had it 29-28. If you're the judge who had it 29-28, please resign. That was not a 29-28. That was a 30-27 at worst. 30-26 is probably... I don't want to say the ideal score, but uh, 30-26 is an acceptable score. 30-27 is an acceptable score. 29-28 is a trash score. You probably didn't watch the round that you scored incorrectly, right? Anyways, anyways, um, yeah, he looked great. And I really liked from Barbosa um, on the ground. He was going for finishes. He was going for some submissions. And I don't know why. He didn't really follow up with ground and pound, but I... I don't mind him going for submissions like that after he knocks down Maquan because a lot of those were tight, right? A lot of guys tapped to those, but Maquan is obviously a decorated um, BJJ practitioner, so he didn't tap to any of those. He was able to escape. But um, with that being said, Barbosa never gave up position in any of those that he he went for several submissions, and the, the submissions he did not get. He did not give up position. He did not let Makwan get into a dominant um, spot. So he was always in control in that fight for, I don't want to say right off the whistle because there was a feeling out process, but it got to the point where he was in control and he was going for submissions. He was landing He was landing on Makwan, knocking him down, and uh, this is classic Edson Barbosa, right? Um and after the fight, Edson Barbosa called out someone. He said he wants someone in the top five or six, right? Specifically, five or six is Yair and Kelvin Cater. Um, I don't know if, you know, he's skipping a lot of guys here. But I know a lot of people are calling for Kelvin Cater versus Edson Barbosa. Um, that would be a ama- That would be an amazing fight. Absolutely amazing fight, right? Um, I doubt that Kelvin Kadar accepts that fight. We're in the, I want to call this the era, or the rankings era, where every fighter, they get offered a fight, and they open their phone, and they go, oh, what's this guy wearing ranked? What's, what's that guy ranked, you know? Let me see the rankings. Oh, he's, Edson Barbosa right now is 14. He'll probably move up. Um, I don't know how far they're going to move him up. He's lost to Dan Ige. But that was a very close fight that a lot of people think he won. So you have Egat is tied at 10 with Shane Burgos. So I imagine they're going to move him up to that 10, 11, 12, 9, 9, 10, 11, 12 range. And for Kelvin Cater, he's probably looking at that. Kelvin Cater's probably looking up in the rankings. He's probably looking at uh, Yair, Zabit, Max Holloway, all unbucked. Um, and frankly, um, to be honest, Calvin Cater has probably earned that. That's why I'm not so bullish on this fight. From a stylistic standpoint, um, Edson Barbosa and Calvin Cater would be an amazing fight and take my money on that one, right? But um, I feel like Calvin Cater has earned a higher-ranked opponent, right? Calvin Cater has done so much work recently. 
Great KO over Jeremy Stevens with that elbow. Nasty elbow he landed on him. So with that being said, I'm cool with Cater getting anything in the top six. You know, I want to see Kelvin Cater up in the rankings. Yair, Zabit, and Max Holloway are all unbucked. Give him one of those guys. It's starting to look like this um, Ortega and Korean Zombie fight this Saturday is going to be a is going to be for a number one contender spot is what it's looking like, especially if one of those guys goes out there and wins in fashion. If Korean if they go out there and put on you know Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega, those guys are performers. They put on great fights, right? If they go out there and put on a great fight, someone gets a nice finish. Um, they're likely going to have the um they're likely going to have the support of the fans in terms of getting a title fight, right? So with that being said, um, for Kader, Yair, Zabit, and, and Max Holloway, um, get these guys paired up, and I want to see, you know, there's four of them. That's two pairs, two great fights. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think Edson can quite, can quite get into that top six. I think there's a clear line once you get to six. I think the top six from Holloway, Ortega, Zabit, Korean Zombie, Yair, Calvin Cater. Then there's a line, right? There's a stiff line, in my opinion, in terms of ability. And then you get to Josh Emmett, Arnold Allen, Jeremy Stevens, Dan Ige, Shane Burgos. And as I read these names, right, this 145 division is stacked, right? Such a fun division. So I think Edson Barbosa is going to have someone in that second-tier range. Um, but obviously... Once he wins that, I think he can fight into that top six. I think it was a little early of a top five, top six opponent call out. I think he believes he beat Danny Gay, so I think he probably doesn't view himself as a 14th ring fighter right now. He probably he's probably viewing himself as a top five, top ten guy who deserves to be fighting to move into that top six. And I think he specifically had the number top five, top six because a lot of times um, you'll have guys say, "Oh, I want top five. Oh, I want top 10. Oh, I want top 15. Oh, I want top 20. But when you start throwing in numbers like top 6, you know, it's a little bit more specific. He's not just picking out one of those rounded off numbers. Um, top 6, when you start throwing in top 6, I think he's probably eyeing 5 and 6 specifically in the year and cater to unbook guys who the fans would probably be behind in terms of performance and how exciting that fight can be. Right. All right, so let's move on to another fight that I really liked was Giga Chikatse. And Giga fought, I don't remember who. Uh-oh, I'm a fraud, I don't remember. Giga fought Omar Omar Morales, who Omar is also a great fighter, who was undefeated during this fight, and he looks big for that weight class, featherweight. And Giga is just another addition to that featherweight weight class that we were just talking about. That is so impressive. That featherweight division is deep. You have Hakeem Dawadu still unranked. Giga Chikatse still unranked. And Giga was calling for a top 15 guy, I believe, if I remember correctly. So um, Giga looked great. He controlled a lot of that fight, if I remember correctly. Almost had that finish in the third round. And um, this is not the first time Giga has gone out there and looked this impressive, right? So he did that in his last at least two fights. So he's he's starting to stack these impressive performances together of a great kickboxing. And 
I think what showed me the most promise from this fight is he got taken down and he got right back up. Okay. This is a similar situation to when I don't want to say similar. This reminds me this reminds me of when Dominic Reyes got taken down or was it Chris Wildman attempted to take down and Dominic Reyes denied said takedown. And seeing someone who we declare the fans, the media, um, the promotion itself declare as a as a striker, someone like Giga, getting taken down and getting right back up is shows very, very um very great promise, you know. This is something that obviously people were calling out of Sean O'Malley. And because, you know, he's kind of a similar fighter, Giga and Sean O'Malley, stylistically high kickboxing, high kicks. So um, I love that uh, leg, the uh, the body kick Giga throws, that, that um, right leg. He throws that with power and bad intentions. That's a good combo when you're throwing kicks is power and bad intentions. When you throw with power and bad intentions, you see results. Right. Everyone knows that, though. I'm speaking uh, pretty obvious here. But I'm very excited to see the future of Giga. I think um, last week we talked about, or not last week, the first episode I talked about Hakeem Dawadu breaking into the top 10, fighting someone like Burgos or Sadiq Yusuf. Um, But I've changed my mind on that after seeing that performance. Let's get Giga and Hakeem Dawadu in there, fight them. Have these two boys fight for for a ranking. Um, both these guys are um, grew very up and comers with a lot of potential. Dawadu and Giga. So if we can get these guys squared off, I think this would be a um, kind of showing who's who, who's the real deal. Um, both these guys, I think, want to get back there in there and fight again. So I would love that fight. This would be a fight that you could throw on the main card of a fight night card, and you know. That, that would catch some eyes for some real um, fans who know the sport well. Not, obviously, hardcore. I know a lot of people like to specify hardcore and casual, but there's very fine differences between those, and there's levels to being a fan, obviously. But I think a lot of people who know the sport moderately well would be very excited to see that fight. And obviously the hardcores would very, would very their mouths would probably water over that. Kind of a weird analogy to use in that situation. So, um, on the rest of the card, we had... Um, I want to break down this card as a whole. This was an amazing fight night card, right? Sometimes we see fight night cards where they all go to decisions where they're not great fights. And, you know, sometimes sometimes some fight night cards are a stinker, but not this one. In this card, we had six KOs, four first-round KOs, two second-round KOs, and two head kicks for the Head Kick KO podcast, right? So overall, this is pure fun. Tom Brees, Chris Dowskis, Tom Aspinall, and Drikas Duplis were the four guys who had the first round finishes, second round finishes by Joaquin Buckley and Corey Sandhagen, right? So um, this card is a great card. And the fights that did go to decisions were also fun fights. You had... Um, Tracy Cortez versus um, Egger. That was a fun fight. If you like grappling, if you like grappling, you like that fight. I know some people don't like grappling, but uh, Tracy Cortez is a fun grappler to watch. We just talked about Giga and Omar Morales. That was a fun fight. Almost had a finish in that fight. Then you've got um, that bantamweight fight between Tony Kelly and Ali. 
That was a fun fight with words afterwards. That's an interesting situation. Let's talk about that. So after that fight, if you didn't see it, Tony Kelly and Ali um, got into a little bit of a dust up. What looked like to happen from my perspective was Tony Kelly was a little upset, right? And then Ali comes up and pretty much he's trying to con- looked like he was he had a smile on his face. It looked like he was trying to congratulate him on the fight. But his way uh, to, to congratulate Tony Kelly on a great fight was to put one arm around him and then pound him on the chest with his other arm. Like, he was hyped up. So Tony Kelly obviously took exception to this because Ali's pounding on his chest with, uh, he's pretty much just pounding on him in, in a way of showing, um, you know, excitement for having a good fight. Which, and then obviously Tony wasn't happy. He shoves Ali away. And then they exchanged some words. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting situation. And I, under, I it was kind of confusing, but I understand where, where Tony Kelly was coming from this because you just got done fighting. You know, it's one thing to come up and be like, hey, man, great fight. But uh, I feel like Ali kind of, you know, don't come up pounding on the man's chest. And, you know, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, dude, what? What are you doing? Like, come on, man. Why? Why? This doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, it was just a weird way for Ali to show, I should say, gratitude or excitement for having a great fight. And then, like I said, Chris Dowskis, Tom Brees, two great knockouts, quick knockouts. Tom Brees is a big, big man, you know, for that middleweight division. He was towering over KB Bullar, who was undefeated. Tom ran right through him. So that's another exciting name for these uh for that division and then you had fun fights um zalal and taporia that was a fun fight i'm surprised uh to if that's another fight if you love grappling you love that fight we had some great stand-up fights and then we had some really grappling heavy fights um taporia really chased really chased the um finish in that fight he was going he had some deep deep guillotines and so much respect to Zalal for not top tapping in any of those because he had deep deep submissions and he had an anaconda that was very deep he had several guillotines that were very deep and um you know they get to the point in the submission where the announcers start going oh oh here it is you know he's gonna tap he's gonna tap you know they start they start calling the finish and the finish never came which is um so impressive for Zalal, and um, you know respect to him for not tapping. But on the other side of that coin, great performance by Taporia. Another very fun fight. That's a, those are two more guys. Both those are impressive fly or featherweight names. That featherweight weight class is pretty stacked at this point, right? And then we had Ben Rothwall versus Marcin Taporia. That is, I thought Rothwall. I was surprised. I, well, I shouldn't say surprised. I was very impressed by Marcin Tuboria. Um, Rothwall has been fighting very, very well. He had a win over St. Prude. I was very impressed. His last two and three fights, I've been very impressed by Ben Rothwall. And for Marcin Tuboria to come in and you know, kind of, kind of take, take over, and you know, um, I believe he won all three rounds on all three scorecards, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, so that was a very impressive performance. He called out someone in the top 10. This is where we start talking about silly call-outs. And then in the post-fight, in the post-fight, he said he wanted a rematch against Derek Lewis. 
Come on, come on, man. You can, don't be afraid to say a name, but at least get in the ballpark with the name, dude. He just swung on a, he just swung while they were trying to intentionally walk him. That's what Marcin Taboria just did. Right? Um, just Derek Lewis is not only the number four ranked heavyweight, but he's looking to get booked against the number two heavyweight, right? And then this guy says, oh, well, I'm not ranked right now. Uh, let's rematch. It's like, really? I know Derek Lewis isn't afraid to go down and take some lower ranked guys out. You know, his last couple fights, obviously, he took on a Linux. Um, with that being said, he's not going to fight someone who's unranked, right? Especially someone like, uh, especially someone like um, Marcin Taboria. You know, if you wanna if you wanna start getting fights in the top fifteen, you don't go to four and call out the fourth ranked guy. You look at the guys at 12, 13, 14, 15. You start calling out those guys. We got Tanner Bozer, who has um had some very good fights on who has had some very impressive fights on Fight Island. And I, if I remember correctly, he's won by knockout in several of them with very impressive performances. And he has uh, said that he wants to get back in the octagon soon. Yeah, um, June 27th, um, KO over Felipe Linz. July 25th, hit, uh, TKO over Rafael Pessoa, um, the first fight was in the first round. The second fight was in the um, second round. But as I see, Sherdog, he is fighting Andrei Vlasky on UFC on the 7th of November. So never mind. And to be honest with you, I did not know that Sherdog would tell you upcoming fights. So that is very impressive. But, um, yeah, so um, then you've got... Even off, so yeah. Um, if something happens where Andre Arlovski can't fight, then be ready for that fight, Marcin Taboria. But um, I don't say he's far outside the top fifteen right now. I think he is outside of the top fifteen, but he's not going to get the number four guy at this point in his career. I think he needs to keep working up, obviously. So, um, he is in a position to move up, but. We're not there yet. Get get another fight. Um, get someone close to the top fifteen as well, and go out there and get another finish, and then you can be in the top fifteen. You know you're close right now, but um, right now we're at forty three minutes, and I have a whole host of other things I wanted to talk about. So we're gonna break those down in a whole another episode because MMA has been on fire. MMA Twitter has been going off. We've had guys calling out guys. Ridiculous. Um, a preview. I'll give you a preview for the next episode at this point. Um, inside info, if you can say that. I'm going to be talking about Connor versus Dustin. We've had some more develops in that. Um, Leon Edwards versus Wonderboy. Edwards declines the wonderful Wonderboy fight. I'm going to talk about Jones taking on Izzy. John Jones taking on Izzy both in the octagon and on Twitter. I want to speak about both those things because I find them both interesting. I'm going to talk about Hazmat Chimaev. Um, he's said some people have um, 
he has claimed that some people have been ducking him. And there's a couple of people who have called him out that he has not responded to. So I'm going to talk about both of those things in the next episode. And then Darren Till has been on fire on social media. He's trying to corner Mike Perry and Mike Perry's um, fight with Robbie Lawler. That's going to be a fun fight. That's besides the point. Um, he's trying to corner that fight. And he has been calling out names on Twitter. We're going to talk about those names of who he's been calling out. And then we're going to also talk about Tony Ferguson, who still wants to fight. We're going to talk about the interview he had with Ariel. And then Nate Diaz has been active on social media as well, talking about Gilbert Burns and um, Dan Hooker specifically. So we're going to talk about both those things as well. So that's kind of a preview to the next episode because this one is short. And I'm not going to fit all those topics in 15 minutes. I wouldn't be doing any of them justice because that's all fun, sh- fun stuff to talk about. So um, go follow the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Go follow them all. They're all at Headkick KO Podcast. They have the same logo, YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube, Spotify, you're listening on one of those. So follow on the other. So show show some support. And they all have the same logo. So you're, if you found me on one social media website, I had the same logo on all of them. So you'll know if it's a true Headkick KO podcast or not. Just playing. I'm sure we don't have any imitators. But you will know if it's me or not. So thank you very much for watching the third episode of the Headkick KO podcast. And don't forget to check out the next episode, which will be coming out very soon. Thank you.